Hello everybody, my name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today we're going to be discussing Josh Hawley and Christian nationalism. If you don't know, Josh Hawley is a senator in the United States Senate. He comes from Missouri and he's actually a really good senator. So I'm not unsurprised, but at the same time, I'm very happy to see that a sitting U.S. senator is weighing in on the Christian nationalism issue and he's quite favorable to the prospect of Christian nationalism. And he has a, I, I, I don't want to say nuanced take on it, but it seems like he would be a second table Christian nationalist. And you like to see that uh, because, you know, you like to see someone who understands politics, who seems to understand faith as well, put those two things together and have a stomach for politics at the same time. Uh, ben Sass was a senator out of Nebraska who seemed like a Christian, but he did not have the stomach for politics. And Mike Pence, who was a former vice president, says he's a Christian, but has never had the stomach for politics. He's always caved to uh, the left and the liberals, and he's never applied faith to politics on a meaningful issue. That's why he sold our country out to uh, branch covidianism, but that's only after he sold his state out to Rainbow Jihad in about 2016. So that's, it, it's very nice to see a Christian in politics doing Christian things. And Josh Hawley is certainly a positive example of that. And he recently did an interview, which is part of a book tour he did with Josh Dawes. And I, I'm not super familiar with Josh Dawes. I imagine he has a pretty big podcast audience. Uh, not as much a YouTube audience, but he does have a decent-sized channel. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we're going to talk about an interview that he gave addressing the issue of nationalism, Christian nationalism, in a very favorable light. So we're going to listen to about 12 and a half minutes at 1.25 speed of that interview. But first, uh, uh, Evangelical Dark Web is a Christian news gathering and commentary platform you can support us over at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join and you can subscribe there with to our patreon like system that is a way you can support us otherwise like this video subscribe to the channel if you are new those really help with those magical youtube algorithms and now we're gonna go to the interview with uh it's on recovering manhood on josh dawes uh, his Great Awakening podcast. Again, I'm not super familiar with Josh Dawes. But according to uh, Apple Podcasts, if you're familiar with John Harris, uh, you might be familiar with Josh Dawes. So, example of, um, can you talk about where, why we need to go back to the Bible to find these? We can't just find it, you know, out there um, making meaning ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the, the base, the first thing to say about this is, is that just from a historical perspective, the biblical tradition is the foundation morally, intellectually of Western civilization and of American culture. I mean, that's just true. You can like it or not like it, but that's just true as a matter of historical fact. Then you add on to that the sense that it, it had, the biblical tradition happens to be true, in my opinion. I mean, I'm a Christian. That, that comes through in the book uh, loud and clear, at least I hope it does. Mm -hmm. And so for me, in this moment of cultural disorientation, the place to turn is to our first guides, so to speak. It's back to the foundations. And that's why I go back to the Bible and try to recover that biblical sense of meaning, purpose for the world and for men. And just to state that in a nutshell, the biblical view is that the world has great meaning because it's created by a God who has purpose for the world. He created the world to be a temple. He created it to be something beautiful. He created it to be a place where he would dwell. 
with man and woman, and he put men and he put women into the creation to help make the creation what it could be. And that's the Genesis picture. And I try to recover some of the symbolism, some of the deep symbolism and significance of the Genesis narrative for men and say, man, hey, this is a great vision. I mean, your life, you're meant to cooperate with God. You're meant to help build the world into what it could be. Your life has tremendous meaning and value. One thing that he's touching on there is the dominion mandate, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. So again, this is something that a lot of Christian nationalists understand is the dominion mandate. I would say that the dominion mandate is related to Christian nationalism because it is taking dominion over the civil sphere. So one of the arguments that Stephen Wolf makes in his book, The Case for Christian Nationalism, is about these very nuanced uh hypothetical issues about a prelapsarian society. And one thing that Stephen Wolf, I believe, argues is that there would be nations if there was no fall of man, because man, you know, would be fruitful and multiply and they would naturally fill the earth. That that was uh I don't want to say part of the original design because I do believe that we're on God's plan A. But this is a hypothetical issue, of course. And one of the again, one of the things that he says about nations being good so it's interesting that uh josh hawley is pointing to the fact that western civilization has a christian heritage which is enough to get you labeled a christian nationalist which is where this conversation will get a little bit more interesting but you see the foundation there is that he says that we need a biblical foundation for society and he's talking about you know he's basically going to be arguing that there's not really a middle ground yeah, it seems to me that we've um, America's kind of coasted on the kind of echoes of that that Christian foundation for several generations, and whereas you know maybe you know a few generations before us there was more of kind of a common moral framework that we kind of all shared in common, but it seems more and more today that you know the left and right are are operating from two kind of diametrically opposed moral frameworks. What what hope do you have of you know being able to make that work in the republic? Well, I mean, I think that every, every society has some moral framework that informs it. That's why it's a society and not a business. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the difference between a corporation and a society. A corporation is not necessarily founded on any shared moral purpose. Its purpose is profits. You know, that's fine. But that's not what a society is. A, a society is a group of families and associations and neighborhoods who come together around a shared sense of, of moral purpose, uh, moral principles, usually language. So, you know, I think we're living in a moment in American history where we're really having a, a, a pretty significant struggle over the most basic things we believe as a nation. And that's why our politics is so acrimonious, in my view, is that we really are now fighting over fundamentals. And I, I think you've put your finger on it, which is that the, the basic biblical tradition that has undergirded uh, what Abraham Lincoln used to call American civil religion, you know, it used to undergird our, our basic cultural sense of who we are as Americans, that is now deeply, deeply contested. You know, the left rejects that. A lot of this talk about America being a systemically racist, bigoted, oppressive nation really is an attack on the biblical tradition that undergirds our history and culture. Um, it's really an attempt, I think, to root that out. The, a lot of the cultural Marxism that we see that's so prevalent now on the left is really aimed at the biblical elements in our culture. So it's a, it's a pretty significant disagreement over the fundamentals of American society, over our fundamental identity. And uh, I, I think that's, you know, that's why we are where we are. I mean, what's the outcome of that going to be? I don't know. I mean, I, I think... That's one of the exciting times about living when we do and as we do is that the future is yet to be written here. I, I do think that the notion that America would just become a place where nobody really agrees on the purpose or meaning or, or promise of this nation, that's just not going to happen. I mean, we're, we're going to coalesce around a group of, of common principles. The left wants those principles to be their woke ideology, their cultural Marxism. 
Uh, the conservatives should want it to be uh, the grand tradition of the West, which is rooted fundamentally in the tradition of the Bible. So that's that I think is a, that that's the debate right there. Yeah. So what Josh Hawley is weighing in on here is what is a nation? What fundamentally is a nation? So, you know, a nation is a people and a place. Well, you see Josh Hawley saying, hey, we're not a business. You know, we're not just here for money. We're not just here for, you know, we come together. We have a social fabric that ties us together. And that social fabric is beyond just sheer fiduciary and monetary interest. So he mentioned language, but he also talked about how the Bible has been the social fabric that really binds our culture together. And you see that we're going to have two competing visions. You got the woke Marxist vision, which is really an unsustainable vision. I think it's a placeholder for, you know, the Islamification of America and such, as you're seeing in Europe. Uh, or you have return to tradition which is rooted in the Bible that again, a Christian society, a self-consciously Christian society. He is again, touching on all the buzzwords, but we haven't even gotten to the issue yet of Christian nationalism, but it sounds like he understands what a nation is, which is not what you see out of big Eva. They don't understand what a nation is or mid Eva, as we've been saying with big Eva doesn't understand what a nation is either. You know, a nation's a people in a place. So. And it seems to be there's a, a debate on the right itself of whether or not we can kind of have that the libertarian ideal of, you know, a neutral, secular, you know, public square where we have this marketplace of ideas and the best ideas win. Um, it, it seems like to me that the past few years uh, particularly have really kind of laid that bare that, that, that we are going to have some you know moral framework um that we have to unite around um how do we encourage those on our side to become you know, I, I guess regain the will to kind of govern from that moral framework well i think the first thing to do is to realize that there really does have to be a shared moral framework and that this is something that this is an ancient debate right this isn't a new one i mean this has been something that you can go back to, to plato you can go back to aristotle you can go back to the first uh, lowercase r republican thinkers uh, in the in the tradition that ultimately becomes our tradition of self-government and you will hear them saying that there have to be certain fundamental principles that we agree on together. A vision of the good is, is the sort of classical way of putting it in, in, in uh, sort of Greek thought and Greek philosophy, good with a capital G. I mean, every society is going to have, that's a society, it's going to have some vision of the good. What is it going to be? And I think for on the right, I think there's been this turn of the last 40, 50 years, a lot of the right has, has actually uh, accepted um, the, the less talking points. Actually, no, we don't need a common vision of the good. The society will basically be one big corporation. You know, we'll just We'll just maximize profit making. That's basically what society is. Nah, that's not what society is. And what's happening now is the left is abandoning those talking points. The left is saying, no, actually, we have a very substantive view of what society should be, what our fundamental principles should be. And they should be these principles of equity and, and their redefinition of what counts as equality. And they should be a, a new form of atheism, which is really, I think, at the root of, of much of their ideology. And you see this again in their cultural Marxist agenda. That for them, those for them are the fundamental principles we ought to unite around. So I just say to my friends on the right, fellow travelers, you know, wake up and get with it. it, it it's, it's one or the other. You know, we're going to unite around some vision because that's what nations do. So the question is, which vision is it going to be? And let me just wait, make one other point here, Josh. And that is that, you know, somebody, I'm a religious liberty lawyer. That's what I did before I got into politics. So I want to cut them off right here. But again, there is no neutral secular society that's not going to happen. You know, you know, the whole classical liberalism approach, which is, again, a controversial, you know, that that was not a universally accepted idea of America's founding. 
during America's founding, but we've kind of read that into America's founding. And again, we did a whole uh, live stream on that with Sam Jones a couple of weeks ago. But we're going to, you got to unite about around something. There needs to be an undergirding social fabric to keep anything together. Even the left knows that. And that's why they're pivoting away from the James Lindsay type of liberalism. You know, James Lindsay is just a half measure to them. Uh, ideologically speaking, these whole libertines are a half measure. They just wanted to deconstruct our biblical society to reconstruct a, you know, I don't want to even call it a utopian society because we know what it looks like. It looks like Canada. It looks like Western Europe. That's There's nothing utopian about it. It's dystopian. They want to build their dystopian society. And... You know, we we got to get with it and have our own alternative vision, our own uh, moral framework that we want to unite around. And that moral framework to unite around is the Bible, because not only is it true and good, but there's more of a critical mass to unite around the Bible than there is anything else. And one of the things that I like about, you know, Christian nationalism as a movement is, is I think we're reliving Weimar, Weimar Republic stuff. This is a lot of Weimar Republic 2.0 that we're reliving here. But Christian nationalism is supplanting the, you know, the the Darwinistic uh, neo-Nazi elements in our society. I think they've been successfully supplanted by Christian nationalism because we have a bolder movement, I, I would say, and... Uh, you know, it's it's more palatable, I think, e- even than Nazism. But we're going to supplant the Nazis from ever rising in this country, I think. So that's a good thing. But uh, time to let uh, Josh continue. Politics. So I believe profoundly in the right of religious liberty. And I don't just mean li- religious liberty for Christians. I mean for everybody. I represented a lot of folks who don't share my... In fact, most of my clients didn't share my beliefs at all. And I didn't share theirs. That's fine. That's great. But let's not kid ourselves. The The right... To religious liberty, that sense of liberty of conscience, that liberality, if you like, that also stems out of the biblical tradition. It's the biblical tradition that insists on liberty of conscience for all. So, you know, I, I think it would be a mistake to say, oh, we can try to find principles that are that are somehow completely independent of any vision of the good, any substantive moral framework. That, that that's just a myth. That that doesn't that doesn't exist. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to coalesce around some vision. What's it gonna be? Yeah. What do you make of um? Yeah, in my. So I do want to interject. I don't think it's, again, there is some Christian tradition that uh, believes in religious liberty for pagan religions, but that is not the overwhelming majority of Christian history. That is not the overwhelming majority of even Protestant history. Uh, I would take issue with that because I don't believe that there's, you know, I would actually agree with John MacArthur. I know, you know, people framed it as me disagreeing with John MacArthur last week. But there's one point that he made that I really agree with 100% is that Christians should not support the right to commit idolatry. So that that's just something that I believe as a Christian. And I also do believe that the government should enforce the first table of the law because Romans 13 clearly prescribes punishing evil as the government's job. And what is more evil in a lot of cases, you know, there are some things that might be objectively more evil, but idolatry is supremely up there as far as what's more evil. 
you know, it's a, you know, biblically speaking, all the good kings in the Bible were the kings who tore down the idols. So, and and the high places and, and the public squares and all that. So. MySpace, there's a lot of, um, really the past year or so, there's been a lot of debate around the term Christian nationalism and whether or not, um, you know, I think, I think it's, you know, pretty commonly accepted that if you're a Christian and you want to be involved in politics on the conservative side, you're going to be hit with that label. There's a debate of whether or not we need to accept that label, we should run from it or, or whatever. But a lot of that debate stays kind of very theoretical in the, um, kind of like, what does this ideal, na- you know, Christian nation look like, you know, somewhere down the line. Um, but I've been more concerned with like, what do we do now? What, what are some, you know, concrete things that we can do now as a Christian who is a U.S. Senator, where are you at on that whole Christian nationalism thing? And what are some things that, you know, we can do to kind of really, uh, bring our faith to the public square? So I want to pause right here as a point of order. I didn't do my due diligence on Josh Dawes. I, I, I'm vaguely familiar with who he is. But I, I didn't research where he's at on this issue, but I did see how he promoted this podcast. So I wonder if he's sympathetic to the Christian nationalist cause. I'm sorry, there's a lot of personalities on social media. I, I can't keep track of who's on what side, uh, but it, it seems like the way that he promoted this issue and the way that James Lindsay and Michael O'Fallon uh, were starting to attack Josh Hawley and perhaps Josh Dawes as well. Uh, maybe he's pro Christian nationalism. I don't know. Yeah, if that means that, uh, if the question is, should Christianity have cultural influence, then yeah, I mean, absolutely. And do we want to have a culture? Is it a good thing to have a culture that is shaped broadly by Christianity, by the tradition of the Bible? I would say, yes, it is manifestly. That's what America has been until it still is. But I think that's really what we're fighting over. So I think that, you know, people mean use the phrase Christian nationalism. I've heard it used in all different kinds of ways. Almost always derogatory, but even the substantive content, I'm never quite sure when people use it, like, what, what are we talking about? So mm-hmm. just bracketing that, setting that term to one side, I think that as Christians, we shouldn't be shy about saying, yeah, we, we want, the, we want the, the, the foundational tenets of our faith. We want those to have cultural influence. Does that mean that we want to impose our beliefs on others? No. Do we want there to be a union of church and state? I don't. I mean, can you imagine if we had a national church? I mean, how woke it would be. So no, I mean, no, 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 no. Uh, again, that gets back to, I believe in liberty of conscience because I am a Christian. And that means conscience, liberty of conscience for all people. So, you know, the separation of church and state in a, in a healthy way, free state in a free or free church, rather in a free state, that, that stems out of the Christian tradition, in my view. So I think that we should be for trying to extend a, a healthy Christian influence that, what does that look like? Insists on the dignity of all people, insists on the reality of biological sex, men and women, that, that it's good to be a man. It's good to be a woman. Those things are different. That insists on protecting the unborn. Uh, that insists on the dignity of work and the dignity of workers and those who, who give their life to, to work, especially those who perform manual labor. And I think some of these foundational commitments that have been true in our history, uh, we need to recover and continue to, to work to extend forward into our future. And I think that a lot of those stem out of the Christian influence. So, again, he, he seems like a second table uh, Christian nationalist, which is a good thing. You know, it's good to have a second table Christian nationalist in the United States Senate. And it's good to have a Christian nationalist in Congress. That's a little bit smarter than Marjorie Taylor Greene. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not a huge fan of Marjorie Taylor Greene. I'm just not. Uh, she also supported Kevin McCarthy, which is a major L and blemish on her record. Uh, if we're going to be honest, but uh, that again, what he said is very palatable to a lot of people. 
I, I think it resonates. But I do want to say, just to clarify, like I, I don't believe that I believe that the government should enforce the first table of the law. That doesn't necessarily entail violating public or violating, you know, the private per individual's conscience. Uh, the individual, the government can't make someone believe in something, but they can say we're not erecting idols in the public square. We're not erecting idols in the high places and stuff like that. So that is what the government, I believe, can and should do. But the government can't impose a belief on people. Like, that's not how it works. That's not how Christianity works. But Josh Hawley's talking about a self-consciously Christian society here, and that's a good thing. And many people in Mediva, Big Eva, don't believe that a self-consciously Christian nation is a good thing. And that is just mind-boggling for a believer to say out loud. I, I don't get why you would not want a christianized culture so but we're in this debate and he talks about not intertwining state and church which is called integralism that's not what christian nationalism is christian nationalism is largely a protestant theology and catholics don't uh, be, uh catholics believe in integralism that's more of their political philosophy of intertwining church and state so that is not what uh, Christian nationalists believe. There is a word for that. It's called integralism. It's called ecclesiocracy. We're not talking about ecclesiocracy in the Christian nationalist movement because God created and ordained separate spheres of authority. This is uh, grounded out of sphere sovereignty. The doctrine of the lesser magistrates. That's where Christian nationalism stems from. It's not rooted in papist uh, integralism. So I wanted to make that clear and Josh Hawley's right to not want that. Um, white evangelicals get a lot of, uh, grief. Um, they're kind of characterized as being like overly concerned with, with politics. And, uh, but I saw uh, a survey, uh, online this week, uh, showing that white evangelicals are the least politically engaged, uh, group, um, amongst the list of uh, demographics that was, was, uh, surveyed. Um, and it, it, that seems to play out in my you know, local context that it's there's a there's a reluctance amongst a lot of Christians to get involved politically. What encouragement would you have for Christians to that politics actually matters, that we can make uh, a difference? Well, I would think that if you start even with Romans 13, for example, where you have Paul talk about those who serve in, in positions of authority, those who exercise authority, uh, he refers to them as he uses the same word for them ministers as he does for those who serve the church. I mean, so there is a sense in which what, what happens in government matters. What happens in politics matters. So I think that as Christians, you know, part of our service to the Lord and, and part of our service to um, our neighbor is to care about what are the conditions of our neighborhoods? What is the condition of our state? And ultimately, what is the condition of our nation? You know, is this a place where life is honored? Is this a place where the dignity of every person is honored and respected? And so I think that being involved in politics is not a nice add-on. I mean, it's something that is pretty fundamental. It's part of our witness, in my view. And, and making sure that seeing that we have a society that reflects uh, the good, flourishing order that God intends, the order of liberty, the order of fullness, the order of flourishing that God intends, I think is, is important. I, I think a lot of um, the reluctance probably stems from a problem that I think is kind of evident in a lot of, um, in a lot of young men. So I wanted to cut it off right there because that's pretty much the end of the section that I wanted to focus on. And Pretty based, Josh Holly. That's pretty based. I'm glad you're writing a book on masculinity. 
Uh, it seems like you know what you're talking about. It seems like you know that we need to have, you know, a firm foundation. If we're not only going to build a better society than what we have now, which is Weimar Republic 2.0, but if we want to uh, reach men, particularly in this time where they're being denigrated and uh, it's there's a reason why there's a ministry called it's good to be a man out there. There's a reason why there's a lot of men, men focused ministries rising up, uh, especially as it relates, you know, to kind of provide a Christian alternative to the counterfeits like Andrew Tate and uh, Jordan Peterson and a lot of the counterfeits out there. So men are lost in this generation and we need to find them. And I'm glad Josh Hawley's trying to put in the work to that end I mean, he's a base senator. I think he's, uh, you know, he might have just become one of my favorite senators uh, or my favorite senator just based off that interview. It's good to have a senator on our side on the Christian nationalist debate. And I'm glad that we can hang our hat on a Christian nationalist senator and not just Marjorie Taylor Greene because I think Josh Hawley's a lot more likable, a lot more articulate. And, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene has her uses. Uh, she's very good at her job, but... Not perfect, obviously. That's why she supported uh, Kevin McCarthy. But very positive development that I just saw from Josh Hawley. And I'm I'm glad he won his primary in 2018 because that was a very hotly contested primary. So uh, God is good all the time. Uh, anyway, that's all I got to say about that. My name's Rez, the Evangelical Dark Web. If you like this kind of content, subscribe to the channel if you're new or the podcast. And have a blessed day. We will catch you on the next one. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.